the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Hello, hello. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. I was a little saddened when, uh, I was going through the news stories today, and I saw images showing smiling pastors moments before fatal helicopter crash. It was a helicopter in New York City. I think a tourist, a couple uh, employees kind of situation on it. And it crashed yesterday, and it killed five-plus people. Pilot lived, crashed in the Hudson. No solely on the case for this one, right? One of the things that, that was upsetting was this was on Instagram. This was like a minute before the guy dies. So you go, okay, that stocks. But then you start looking at their ages and you're like, oh, these are young people. And you start thinking about families they leave behind. And one of the things that I keep coming back to is, you know, financial planning is, is it's complicated. And I try to make it as simple as possible. And sometimes that's a flaw. But I think making it as complicated as possible, as sometimes you hear CFP Chad Burton, it sounds like he's talking Martian when he's talking about financial planning issues. So there's a right way to do it. There's a wrong way to do it. There's a in-between way to do it. There's a masculine way to do it. There's a passive way to do it. There's an aggressive way to do it. I don't care. My job is to create wealth for people. CFP's jobs are to protect it on a lot of levels. I think there's important things that we need to continue to see. I think investing is a totally different topic than retirement, which is a totally different topic than taxes, which is a totally different topic than insurance. And then you get it in things like costs of families and real estate. And I can't possibly cover all those in perfect detail. I'd like to, but it doesn't happen that way. Retirement to me is a scary thing. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, for about a month, I'll sleep until nine and then I'm going to be like, Oh, let's see what's on TV. And I'll probably go, I need to go back to work. 
So taxes I don't talk about because taxes are so local and specific to individuals that I think it's just a bad idea to talk taxes on radio or podcasts. Uh, Retirement, I do want you to start thinking about what you're going to do from age 50 to 100 so that you don't work till you're 60 and have a heart attack and die. And I, I know I'm not living to 100. My dad didn't live past 60. And, you know, my mom had numerous strokes. She's still alive. But, um, you know, I haven't lived the easiest life and I don't sleep terribly well. So I don't have to plan on 100. But maybe, you know, the spouse does or the sugar bugger. So then we get into other concepts like estate planning. And what do you want to leave your kids? And I'm worried. You know, I'm not panicked, but I'm worried that, like, um, I was able to outdo my father's standard of living. Um, but I don't think I outdid my dad's quality of life, uh, potential for quality of life. Um, you know, I made a career largely in California, where if I were to do the same exact thing in Colorado or Idaho or Florida, I wouldn't have the same financial results. Take a little bit bigger risks here. You have a little bit more costs here, but you also have higher paying jobs here in the Bay Area. And I, th- I think that's a bump that I want everyone to try to think about. But then again, I start looking at real estate and I see real estate pricing go- growing twice as fast as wages. And I think, you know, will, will children born today ever be able to afford a home in an aggressive area where you can have an aggressive job? Where you can be a plumber who charges $300 an hour versus a plumber in. Um, Mississippi, who charges 30? No. So there's a lot going on out there. I think everyone should get intimate with their credit score. Just to start looking at your life, financially speaking. Go to annualcreditreport.com this week. It'll take you about five minutes to log in, get some quick information, and take a look at your credit report. If you haven't done it in the last year, you should do it every year. Maybe you do it on Groundhog's Day. Maybe you do it on the day before New Year's. I don't know. But just get into a, a habit of doing it every single year. Um, that's my thoughts. So doing the show is a show dedicated to getting your retirement. Whether I'm actually able to pull that off or not, it, it's going to depend a lot on you. I think, you know, retirement, you should count on some Social Security, but you shouldn't count on it being enough. So for each year you hold on to your benefits past your full retirement age, if you're 66 or 67, you get an 8% boost in returns. That's pretty good. Now, the incentive only runs out at age 70, so there's no point in delaying it past 70. But if your full retirement age is 67, if you wait until you're 70 to collect your benefits, you'll turn 1400 into 1700 <clears throat> for life. That's a lot of money. Think about an extra $3,000, $4,000 a year. It's not bad. Should you continue to work as long as you can? I like the idea. I don't know if I want to do it myself. <clears throat> and I don't know how long I want to do it, but I want to do it as long as I'm healthy. So, uh, semiconductors, I saw an interesting stat on semiconductors today. Um, as a group, they are now just hitting where they should be hitting. Um, 
it took a long time for them to get back to their 2000 levels of massive overvaluation. So semiconductor stocks are at the highest level since 2000. And this should be the talk on Wall Street because semiconductors fall into some hardware angles. Hardware has profit margins that are less than software. The last time semiconductor stocks were this high, the world had been gripped with the Y2K fears. Do you remember there was fears in 1999 when the computers turned over to 2000 that planes were going to fall out of the sky and uh, Social Security checks were going to think you're you know, totally young after being totally old your whole life? That you'd be like negative 33 instead of 67? So it's been a long time since we've been this high on semiconductor stocks, the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index. Hit 1600 back in 2000, um, back in 98. Um, now we have some tailwinds for semiconductors. But we also have this kind of crazy positive tailwinds. Semiconductors in microphones, semiconductors in cars, semiconductors in thermostats, semiconductors, like you name it, we'll put a semiconductor in it, right? So the upward trend for chip makers over the past 18 months has helped Micron recapture levels not seen since October 2000. It took a long time for the semiconductors to get all the way back. So I bag on real estate, but you know, sometimes you've got to bag on things get way ahead of themselves, and that's why you don't own just one sector. So Micron's got a pretty nice future, as does Intel, as does Qualcomm. Um, there's just not that many semiconductor players out there. A lot of them have consolidated. Now, Applied Materials has a great future, too, because we're coming up with new semiconductors. And when we come up with new semiconductors, we have to go, okay, I'm going to put a semiconductor in a Coke can. And Applied Materials is like, pick me, pick me, pick me. I'll, I'll design it for you. I'll cook it for you. And you design it, they'll cook it. And you don't have to spend the uh, crazy amount of money to um, you know, get the uh, big semiconductor etching equipment going and fired up the ovens. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Never be shy. Making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. It's been a hot and sexy market recently, has it not? I don't know what to make of it. <laughs> From January to February to March. It's, um, it has more volatility. It's got more inflation. It's got more drama. It's got some corporate news of note. You know, Broadcom, which was a, once a tiny company called Avant Go, that bought a bigger company called Broadcom. And they wanted to buy a company, Qualcomm. And President Donald Trump said, we're not going to have anything to do with this. Um, it's against national security interests. 
But that's not all that we're dealing with today. A little bit of President Trump also ousting Rex Tillerson as Secretary of State. He's going to be replaced by the CIA Director Mike Pompeo. There's been a lot of um, alpha males come and go at the White House. But President Trump is the king of the alphas or the alpha gorilla or, or what have you. Be interesting to see how Rex Tillerson goes because he was critical numerous times of President Trump. And we kind of think, Wall Street thinks, that CIA Director Mike Pompeo is going to be anti China. And I think conventional wisdom is, and I don't want to speak for conventional wisdom. I think one of the big things there is something along the lines of. you know, the simplest idea that you can try to put forward out there on, you know, what's going on in the markets and how much we need to save. I think a trade war with China, conventional wisdom says, that we may be in for a bumpier road. Because China will not just say, slap us with a white glove. So Broadcom is essentially a Chinese company. And a lot of people think China is buying, is funding some companies, not with just investor dollars, but with state dollars, to go out and buy tech companies and basically get their technology and start you know, making it a little bit more rampant in other areas where China owns the product, per se. So a trade war would be bad because when we slap China across the face and say, your Broadcom is no good. It no good. He cannot marry my daughter Qualcomm. He's no bueno. They may get a little upset. They may get a little, for lack of a better word, pissy. And they may go, well, one of your companies isn't allowed to do business in our state, in our country. So take that. What would you get by getting a Qualcomm? You get a lot of 5G technology. And that's the next big thing in telecom, right? And you wouldn't have to spend the money to learn that technology, or you would have to spend the money to license it from Qualcomm. So Micron's a big winner today. Intel, Macy's, Broadcom, Alaska Air, big losers. Uh, Qualcomm, General Electric, and Mattel. And I don't, I don't get how Mattel is keeping it together, to be quite honest with you. The stories that I hear out of their employees, whoa. So a real estate economist said something pretty fascinating today. Because real estate home prices are increasing twice as fast as income growth. And he's an MBA. That's driving home prices higher and adding insult to injury for home buyers with stagnated earning powers. The appetite for housing comes even before the peak of the millennial generation reaches first-time home buyer age. Not enough for sale signs in front yards are driving residential home prices higher, the chief economist at the Mortgage Bankers Association said today. Not enough for sale signs in front yards. Compounding the problem is that Americans' wage growth is being left far behind. So how long can we have home prices go up? twice the rate of wage as well as long as the higher end continues to suck up the inventory as long as their income is uh, more than keeping up doesn't really matter if the, the mid to small right except for that creates 
um, creates quite a unhealthy community. Mortgage rates around four years highs, a bit of a headwind. Adding insult to injury for home buyers right now. If your earnings are stagnating, you're not getting in, right? Across the board nationally, prices are about 6% higher than their 2006 peak before the housing crisis hit. So for those of you who think real estate's like a no-brainer and it's other people's money and you've heard all the you know, infomercial sales pitches for it, think twice. Let me repeat that statement. Prices nationally are now 6% higher than the 2006 peak before the housing crisis hit. So if you bought in 2006 on national house at a national average price, you're 6% above right now. But if you do the math, that's 12 years. When you adjust for inflation, you're not good. Major constraint in the market right now is lack of supply. Um, but again, when I just said, if you bought in 2006 at the peak, you're just now up 6%. The people who want to hear what they want to hear are going to hear it. And the people who don't want to hear truths like that are going to tell me to you know, go, go bugger off. It's unfortunate. Um, money secrets, I think are a bad thing. And I think they're pretty rampant and pretty prevalent in the world. About one in five Americans don't tell anyone how much their salary is, including their spouse. Or I guess today we're supposed to say, or partner. Experts say it's important to start talking about money. I think it's very healthy. Um, I think when you're going you know, bring kids in the world, you talk about your body and who's allowed to touch it and who's not. When you, know, you start getting towards marriage, you start talking about like what you want your future to look like and you know, make sure you're on the same page. And I think when you're you know, getting married, I think you talk money before, during the relationship on a regular basis. Only 60% of women and 52% of men share their salaries with significant others. That's phenomenal to me. Money, money has been a traditional taboo topic in America, and people don't like to discuss it because it makes them uncomfortable. Um, it's so funny. I could ask people trust me, so I could ask them about their investments. I could ask them about their their money, but what won't a woman tell me? Her weight. What will women not tell other women? Their salaries. <laughs> Oh, we have to learn to talk honestly as a society. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com.
comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing in more. Joining me from briefing.com, Patrick O'Hare. Start my day every day by going to briefing.com. Sometimes on my phone with an app, sometimes on my desktop. But to check out page one, see what's going on. Mr. O'Hare, how are you? Hey, Rob, I'm doing just fine. Thanks. Good to be back with you. It's always good to have you. Good, calm insights in the market, both on a domestic and international level, comes out of briefing.com statements. Um, NASDAQ at an all-time high. Uh, it's something that, you know, it's one of the very first things I check at 4 o'clock in the morning, like what's going to be the story of the day, and that seems to be part of it. Then Rex Tillerson, obviously, is a, a jump in, and um, what we're going to do, you know, with China down the road. Uh, what are you seeing right now as you wake up in the morning? What's the things that jump out at you? Well, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, I'm, the thing that jumps out at me is just obviously watching, you know, how the market is, is responding here to a number of inputs um, with inflation data, with, you know, geopolitical news, uh, that being, you know, the situation uh, developing with North Korea, um, you know, tariff issues, um, earnings. So it's a, it's a little bit of a everything right now. And, and, and that's somewhat for good reason, because we're kind of in this no man's land, if you will, between uh, the next earnings reporting season. We still have companies that are they're sharing their earnings. Most of them are retailers right now. But but when you get into those uh, in-between periods, the market tends to you know, lack a focal point. And so it, in those periods, it, it looks anywhere for some direction. And it just so happens that there's a lot to look at right now. And so you get some volatility and some choppiness in the market, and you get um, some interesting opinions on where things are headed. And, um, and it is certainly interesting right now that you, know, you do have the NASDAQ composite having rallied back to that you know, a record high in, in almost no time at all, frankly. And it's been spearheaded by some familiar names, um, semiconductor industries. And then, of course, you've got Apple that moved back to new new all-time high. And um, you've got Amazon that's still you know, just going nuts. And, uh, and so some, some things just don't die easily. And uh, with the leadership that you've got coming out of the, the technology sector right now, uh, there's at least, you know, a sense that uh, that the market uh, can hang in here, and, and one of the things that's helping that along is the fact that uh, interest rates have settled down somewhat, and that was due in large part to um, you know what we saw on the employment situation report, and certainly out of today's CPI data. Okay, um, how was that CPI data today? You know, the interesting thing is that it, it so it was as expected, right? You had uh, total okay. CPI was up 0.2% month on, over month, and core CPI was as well. Now, core CPI excludes the impact of food and energy. Um, and usually, you know, when you get numbers that are in line with expectations, you shouldn't get any reaction in the market because they're in line. You know, it's what was expected. Uh, but in this case, uh, the market continues to take some solace from the fact that inflation trends are not, uh, certainly at the consumer level, don't appear to be accelerating at any worrisome pace. If anything, they're looking somewhat you know, relatively stable here. And, you know, out of that consideration, the market, you know, found a reason to think that it's just another data point uh, that should leave the Federal Reserve um, 
on course, if you will, to continue with its outlook for only three rate hikes this year, uh, as opposed to the four rate hikes that the market started to fear following the January employment situation report. So, so even though the data was in line with expectations, um, the market nonetheless you know, found a, a basis to interpret it in a positive fashion, and that helped uh, lead to a pickup in the futures market this morning that then translated to a positive uh, start for the equity market. So changing gears back to President Trump, how do you feel about this Broadcom-Qualcomm underlying story that we may start a trade war, cyber war, something with China? You know, I, I suppose you can kind of like lump it into the basket of um, of the argument that we're becoming increasingly protectionist. Um, you know, uh, you can always um, obviously um, use the quote, you know, Trump card of you know making such decisions based on national security grounds, and that's what, in fact, was was done today. Um, so it will stoke that speculation that it, it's all oriented around protecting the U.S. interests uh, vis-a-vis, you know, China's increasing influence. Um, but, you know, really, the probably the, the fact of the matter with respect to this particular acquisition is that I don't think the market ever believed it was really ever going to happen anyway, uh, whether it was due to national security interests or not. Um, a lot of it related to you know regulatory concerns, uh, pricing issues, and you know and what ultimately Broadcom did intend for Qualcomm in the event it, it, it took the company over. But you know I say that because when you look at what Broadcom was offering for Qualcomm initially seventy dollars per share, and then eighty two dollars per share, and then they backed it down a little bit after Qualcomm raised its bid for NXP Semiconductor. Um, you know Qualcomm stock never, you know never moved much uh, to get close to what those um, offer prices were. You know, so there's quite a discount there, which, uh, which essentially you know, conveyed the market's doubts about that deal coming to fruition as Broadcom envisioned. And you know, Qualcomm didn't sound like they were going to make things easy on Broadcom, um, but, um, but there really wasn't a lot of confidence uh, to begin with that it was going to happen. And, uh, and obviously, it's not going to happen now. Sounds about right. Is there anything else that you're working on right now that you uh, are going to be published in the next couple of weeks? Anything that's kind of like starting to tell you um, this might be important? Well, you know, a couple of just tires I'm kicking right now, you know, one of which uh, relates to the earnings outlook. Um, that's something that, um, you know, as I alluded to, kind of gets lost right now because we're in between earnings reporting periods. But, um, but you know, the earnings growth estimates for this year are, are, are looking really good on uh, double digits for all four quarters. Uh, that's something not to, not to be forgotten. And then also, you know, starting to, you know, look at possibly, you know, uh, some topical information as it relates to inflation trends and the idea of you know why inflation does continue to remain low, uh, even though you've got such strong job growth here. So um, just a few ideas that are in the hopper that might uh, come out into a broader piece that would appear in the big picture in coming weeks. Thanks very much. Interesting times on the markets. I can't quite put a peg on which month we're in, but we seem to be up yo-yo versus up in January, down in February, up in March. Um, you're doing a great job of keeping us 
informed on what we need to know and keep in focus. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. You can find him. It's Patrick O'Hare at briefing.com. He does two major columns. And, you know, I get a lot out of briefing because I've been using it for almost 20 years. Um, But his page one columns, I think, are some of the best. And then one of the things you can do is hit the stock market summary, which tells you what's going on for the day. Basically, it says Dow's up, Nasdaq's up, S&P, and it gives some numbers. Tells you what's moving the market. Consumer price index for February comes in as expected, keeping inflation concerns at bay. So that means the Fed doesn't have to rush to raise interest rates. Again, that's one data point. There's jobs data points. There's auto sales data points. There's home sales data points. There's inflation. There's um, things tied towards productivity. President Trump has announced the CIA Director Mike Pompeo is going to replace Rex Tillerson as Secretary of State. Now, this is... I don't talk a lot of politics. But sometimes Wall Street does run into Main Street politics. And a lot of people think Rex Tillerson was a business guy. And some people didn't like him being chosen to be part of the cabinet and the State Department because he was an Exxon guy. And Exxon was somehow going to make you know billions of dollars because of this. I get it. I get the pessimism. With that out there, though, what is Mike Pompeo? Well, we know that he's strong against China. He doesn't like being hacked in the United States. He's the ex-CIA director. Um, he's a little bit more loyal to Trump than the Rex Tillerson, who recalled to Trump as a moron at some point back in the first quarter of 2017 or second quarter of 2017. So out goes someone that was business friendly, maybe in comes someone that is protectionist policy friendly. And that's not business friendly. Something my job is to do for you is to tell you when I, I I'm not going to say I'm smelling a rat. The Fed has said we're going to raise interest rates. And that will slowly put a break on the economy. It's kind of the, the frog in the crock pot. Start on low and by the, you know, put in some water. By afternoon, you got boiled frog. But he's going to swim for most of the day. Um, that's my example. <laughs> and I'm leaving it just like that. Oh, what tales we weave. Uh, something I'm working on for television today is an angle that women need to save more money for retirement than men because women live longer. And there's a dynamic in our society that a lot of older men remarry younger women and then they live longer. They need to save more. The median retirement savings balance among working women right now is $34,000. Not enough. Uh, it's that's underfunded. You need somewhere, in my opinion, at least four hundred thousand to four million dollars to retire, depending on how, what quality you want to live. And again, consult broker advisor. Listen to CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. Newfocusfinancial.com.
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. financial I'm not sure what's up with this music it's not my typical Lapsley from Sweden oof lots what I got figure out one more thing. Okay, got that updated. Good. So 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, again, the markets are playing with movement, with action. It's dealing with a lot of stories. Um, Trump oust Secretary of State Rex Tillerson. Rex Tillerson had kind of a gravitas, so to speak, a heavy gravity, uh, a feeling, you know, that at times he he butted heads, to say the least, with Trump. Of course, he learned that he was fired by what? Twitter this morning and not by the president himself. Um, Yeah. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. Um... Yeah, that's kind of a tough one for me. <laughs> so that's all I'm going to throw out. Um, another, it's just, again, the market's dealing with that, you know, another, I'm not going to say brick in the wall, because that's, that's wrong. The market's dealing with another situation with another cabinet member. What's interesting, most of these cabinet members seem to go quietly into the night where, if it were me, I'd be like, oh, how dare you fire me on Twitter, which now suddenly everyone's going to want to fire me on Twitter, right? Um, but anyway, a lot going on in the um, world of, of the president and Main Street. And you know, there's a special election today in Pennsylvania that will get a little bit of a feel for Again, how will people actually vote? I was reading some articles on how this year is going to turn out. You know, it, it's it's going to be a, a political year. And political years typically don't draw a lot of fire, but this year they're drawing a lot of fire. And, you know, the Democrats are saying, <clears throat> this is our chance. You know, everyone's angry at Trump. This is our chance. And that may be a good strategy or a bad strategy, because the more the Republicans, the GOP, think the Democrats are going to come out and vote, the more they'll come out to vote to protect what they got. So it's going to be an interesting election year. Amazon has recalled 260,000 portable power banks for fire hazard. Amazon has received uh, more than 50 reports of power banks overheating in the U.S., causing chemical burns and property damage. So they're recalling 260,000 Amazon Basics portable power banks that can overheat and ignite. That would be a negative. That would be a negative if you're trying to charge uh, your phone or your, maybe your laptop, your iPad, 
something along those lines, and well, it catches fire. And that's bad news for Amazon, right? Uh, there's something called Amazon Basics, and they have Amazon Basics t-shirts. They've got Amazon Basics uh, power charging cords, power charging uh, banks, and they got Amazon Basics, um, you know, it's a brand, right? Makeup, for instance. And the idea is, is that it's like um, going into Safeway and saying, I don't need the name brand Hunt's Tomato Paste. I'll just go with the Safeway brand. And it's a way of, you know, Safeway brand doesn't have to advertise like Hunt's does. And they're typically both bottled at the same place or canned at the same place. There's probably not going to be a lot of difference between the two products. And it takes a college degree to figure that out. One of the most fascinating stories I ever saw on research was that there's no difference between Walmart or Walgreens Benadryl and the CVS brand of Benadryl and the the Benadryl brand of Benadryl. Uh, They have the same active ingredients, and yet most people will go for the name brand um, and spend almost twice as much to support the marketing and everything else as going with the CVS brand. Now, I will admit that when I was younger and trying to woo the ladies, I'd go, oh, I'm going with Italian tomato paste picked straight from the Italian fields of Italy and by Italian people and canned by Italians. And, you know, it has a cute imagery on the can. And it probably did, right? And it probably got the, you know, the date's attention like, oh, he's, he likes tomato paste from Italy. Who doesn't? And he likes olive oil from Italy. Who doesn't? And he gave the point, like, later in life, you're like, give me a cigarette and just let's go to Trader Joe's and get Trader Joe's tomato sauce. <laughs> Trader Joe's, two buck chuck, talking about signature products that do well. A big old blizzard's bearing down on New England. Boston slammed with wind-whipped snow. The third winter storm in two weeks roared in coastal New England up to 20 inches of snow. We could use it out here in our mountains, please, or Nevada, or Colorado. If you want our fruits and vegetables, we're going to need water. But no, Boston's getting hit hard this winter, especially in March. Um, Schools in in Boston obviously shut. Flights are shut. Business is shut. I bring this up is because if there's enough weather issues, it can hurt GDP. Car sales, home sales, especially if it hits on weekends versus weekdays. There's different ways of playing it. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.